Hello, and welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hey guys, Buddy C. I'd like to welcome everyone. We have Paul and Marla and Lala and Craig and Kate so far today. Okay, any opening comments about this 59th chapter? Thirsty. Oh, hey, Thirsty. How are you, dear? I'm okay, thank you. Craig's got clothes on. He, he looks like it's winter time. What is that about? It's always it's really warm outside. It's, it's yeah, well, it's cold. It's I'm I'm not in Mexico anymore. I'm back home. Oh, you have a nice tan. Something happened. So, do you want to see my white bit? No. To your what? My white bit. My white bit. The bit that didn't get tanned. Oh, no. I don't <laughs> see any of it. My <laughs> back. Cut your video off. Anybody <laughs> wants to see it? What's the email address, Marla? What's <laughs> Wisdom five two six at Gmail. Right. So if if anybody does want to see the white bit, then just email in. And I'll be happy to sell your photograph. Sell? <laughs> How much? <laughs> All right. We're not here to talk about Craig's, Craig's white bits. We're here to uh, no, bet. Bet. There's only one. Bit. There's only one. <laughs> just one bit. Singular. Okay. Okay, the 59th chapter. Kate, do you want to read for us, dear, and we'll get going? I do. All right, 59th chapter. First translation. In caring for others and serving heaven, there is nothing like using restraint. Restraint begins with giving up one's own ideas. This depends on virtue gathered in the past. If there is a good store of virtue, then nothing is impossible. If nothing is impossible, then there are no limits. If a man knows no limits, then he is fit to be a ruler. The mother principle of ruling holds good for a long time. This is called having deep roots and a firm foundation, the Tao of long life and eternal vision. Second translation. For governing a country well, there is nothing better than moderation. The mark of a moderate man is freedom from his own ideas. Tolerant like the sky, all-pervading like sunlight, firm like a mountain, supple like a tree in the wind, he has no destination in view and makes use of anything life happens to bring his way. Nothing is impossible for him. Because he has let go, he can care for the people's welfare as a mother cares for her child. Third translation. There is nothing better than moderation for teaching people or serving heaven. Those who use moderation are already on the path to the Tao. Those who follow the Tao early will have an abundance of virtue. When there is an abundance of virtue, there is nothing that cannot be done. Where there is limitless ability, then the kingdom is within your grasp. When you know the mother of the kingdom, then you will be long enduring. This is spoken of as the deep root and the firm trunk, the way to a long life and a great spiritual vision. Final translation. Leadership is based on moderation. Practice moderation and you'll get in touch with with the power of Tao. 
If you get right with Tao, nothing is impossible. If you get right with Tao, there is no limit to what you can do. If you get right with Tao, you can be a true leader. Remember this advice if you want to be a leader. Plant deep roots in firm soil. Get right with Tao, and you'll always see things clearly. Hmm. Comments? Several. It reminds me of how a democracy should be, in that you, you have a firm idea of how a government should run, and those who are in the government are bouncing ideas off each other, whether, you know, with tolerance and patience and openness. And, you know, but, but they're firmly rooted in how they want it to look. That's good. That's freedom, freedom from their own ideas, being open-minded, right? Being open-minded and, and tolerant of the others who have different ideas. Good. Anyone else? I think, I think for me, yeah, I think I agree with Marla. It's the idea of being, having restraint and leading with in moderation is, is being able to be almost impartial. It's um, being open-minded, open to new ideas, whilst almost where it was saying standing still or having deep roots, it's this idea of having also boundaries that so that, you know, people can't swing you to the extremes and, and in being open-minded and there was also, there was also part of the translation, which was, also being open-minded allows us to learn more and um, become inspired and where it was saying the being being like mother to a child again we can we can do this unconditionally so you know the way that a mother loves a child well, I meant. Well, I mean, I, speaking for myself, I love my children unconditionally. But at the same time, if they act out, I have boundaries. You know, I'm fair, um, and and also I like to learn from them as well. They teach me things. Um, that's just my initial thoughts. You know, all four of these translations talk about a place we can be where nothing is impossible, man knows no limit, limitless ability, you'll always see things clearly, and it all comes from practicing moderation, from practicing moderation. Um, And I was thinking about that and about the phrase that uh, freedom from Freedom from buddy gives freedom to be. You know, freedom from gives freedom to be. So when we are free from ourselves, uh, we're able to start being tolerant and all these other things that we have to be to really see the right answers. You know, freedom from our ego, in other words. So, yeah, that's good. This makes me think about... uh 
just in the first translation, just that it's phrased using restraint, um, that it's, you know, it's not always the easiest thing to give up your own ideas, to be open-minded, to, you know, the freedom from your own ideas. That's not always easy. And then it says it depends on virtue. And that virtue, Kate, I think is day. You know, you've got the, the that's the T-E day, and that's the virtue that they're talking about. So it's the virtue of the way. And we see that everywhere in here, talking about having virtue, having virtue. And this is describing how to have virtue, really. And it also talks about storing that virtue up beforehand. And uh, Wayne Dyer talks a lot about that, really good today, about that, but giving up one's own ideas. I was thinking about all the belief systems that I have in place that limit me and how those belief systems could be part of these things that I have to surrender and let go of. This dogma that I've learned, you know, all these things. Paul, you have something? Uh, yeah, a couple things. Uh, first of all, I was really drawn to the moderation part of that translation and uh that's something us alcoholics and addicts we didn't have a lot of that did we (laughs) we didn't know the meaning of the word most of us so it's that's really something i've had to uh had to figure out since i got sober and uh you also mentioned there buddy the letting go i was listening a little bit to the letting go book this morning before the meeting again paul you're listening to that again yeah believe it or not only the second time through buddy not okay not as many times as you've listened to it, but anyway, uh, I was just finishing up the part on on pride, and uh, that that's where that that really resonates with me too in this reading. And Kate was talking about that. It's yeah, it's not easy, Kate, to let go of the, your ideas sometimes, but sometimes you just have to, and uh, that's the only way we grow and learn is uh, by keeping an open mind. And you know, sometimes our ideas, even though we think they're great, they aren't always the best. And it takes other people to show us that. Which is the beauty of the group. You know, the yes. beauty of group meetings. That's, yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. Because we, in recovery, we are blessed with this, this idea that we become open-minded, open-minded and willing. And the more stoic and stubborn and rooted we are in the extremes and our own beliefs, the, actual, the more difficult recovery is. Mm-hmm. because you know the amount of times that i come across people actually really close to me who aren't willing to budge from their own viewpoints and so they don't get the benefit they don't get the um they don't get the the benefit of seeing everything and that okay might be um overwhelming but in a way like paradoxically you gain more clarity that way because you're not skewed to thinking i only believe x which is way over to the right mm-hmm. when actually the middle ground might be better the middle ground might be more suitable um i, I mean yeah i mean it's rife in politics at the minute but you know we don't we don't really want to talk about politics right now i was actually thinking relating it to I hate to say this, anti-Semitism and, and all that anti, 
religious groups there are out there and um there's there's like a, these people have a fixed idea of what that group is or is not and and it creates animosity and hate because they're different there's no moderation in their thought they're black and white about their thoughts and you know you're like this you're like this you're like this and you're not like me and therefore i hate you i like that you use the word fixed because i think that's kind of the key word here is like to be able to be malleable flexible open because when you're so fixed, you are going to be extreme because it's this way or this way versus um, being open, being an empty vessel, you know, uh, um, willing to change, open to change. But it's also talking about having a, a firm base. Right. Having stability. But not meaning firm ideas, just a firm grounding. In the Tao. Well-rooted. Well-rooted. Well-rooted and Firm with mobility, stability and mobility at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. When I talk to friends about um, Wu Wei, about effortless effort, they automatically go over to the, well, I've got to do something. (laughs) No, you don't. I said, well, (laughs) it's not doing nothing. It's doing without pushing, you know. They automatically go to the extreme. Well, if I sit around all the time and do nothing, what's God going to do for me? You know, they go all the way to that extreme, (laughs) you know. Um, Derek Lynn used the word conservation instead of moderation. Hmm. And he said it's the principle of valuing your time, energy, mind, and spirit. It is also the methodology of using them wisely and efficiently. So and I like the idea, and even the idea of moderation, it says that if you practice moderation, you will get in touch with the Tao. It doesn't say, you know, if you work some formula or believe some particular thing. or It just says if you practice moderation, you're going to get in touch with the Tao. So it's taking the dogma out. It's taking the religion, so to speak, out. You know, how we're taught we've got to do what would Kirstie say? X, Y, and Z. We got to do Z too. So that always cracks me up. Um, we got to do these particular things for it to work. We've got this formula, and this is saying no. There's not even just you got to practice moderation. Be yeah, tolerant. It's, it, yeah, that what's the saying of moderation in all things? Yes, not just some things. You can't think about choose. yeah. You can't I, I was thinking about dogma. And how we learn dogma and then we start in whatever it is that we're doing. And I thought about when when I was younger and got involved in church and how it was a genuineness. But yet they started applying all these rules and things to, you know, kind of restrict and how everything is like that if we're not careful. Um, and I was talking to a friend of mine. This is pretty Y'all may like this. Uh, when I was a kid. I was involved in church, but songs like Highway to Hell, you really couldn't listen to. They had really condemned you for that, right? So I asked him, I said, he was raised in a fundamental church. I said, can you listen to Highway to Hell now and not feel ashamed for doing it? And he said, not yet. He said, I'm still, you know, and I said, you know, if you look at the words of Highway to Hell, there's so much freedom 
in the uh, in a lot of the lyrics, just like we have the freedom over here in the Tao, and then in the middle we get all of this constricting lack of flexibility and all of this. I don't know. That was uh, that was just res- I was just thinking about that. It says tolerant as the sky, all pervading as the sun, firm as a mountain, supple as the wind, no destination, making use of anything. And I was thinking of the areas of my life that I might be trapped in dogma, like my ideas of God or Christianity. Or how about this? My ideas of AA my dogma of my profession to where I might not be tolerant or open-minded enough to accept new ideas or be open to other things that, um, so opportunities would pass by because I would never, I've got a good example of that. Used to run an I buy houses ad in the paper and there were three or four of us that ran one. And I got a call one day and I'm in Georgia. They said, do you buy houses in Alabama? Of course I don't, but I didn't tell him that. I said, well, I don't know. What do you have? And I was like the third or fourth ad. I'm sure he went to the others and said, do you buy? He started at the top. Do you buy in Alabama? They said, no, no, no. And I said, okay, yeah, I'll look. Come to find out it was a house on the lake with 200 feet of lake frontage, 200 feet of canal, and a loan that I could assume and pay $1,500 in credit cards he owed and assume his loan, I still own the house. And my parents live there. So it's just one of those things of being open-minded and not because it doesn't fit your little box, not saying, no, uh-uh, no, shutting it down. You know, that's, uh, that's good. I, I was thinking about child rearing, how I had to be open-minded because I had my ideas going in of, you know, what I was supposed to do and how I was supposed to be. And I had to be open-minded about that. How about the things I think I know? Because what is it? When you think you have the answer, you've already lost it. So, you do, you do, I think on that point, um, <laughs> you almost have to relinquish everything you think you know in order to be able order to be willing to learn. Because that was one of the really the the, the um, restraints I had when I came into recovery, I was this pumped up high intellectual individual who liked to think that she knew everything. Um, second time round, I just came in and went, I don't know anything. I don't know anything anymore. And and I and and it was true. You know, I don't know. I don't. You know, who can sit there? And actually say they know something is they know everything because they don't, you know, I I may not be a Christian. I may not know that there is a God. Um, I may class myself as an agnostic, um, but I can't definitely say that there isn't a God because there isn't evidence either way. You know, um, so I think, you know, there's a little bit of humility there to be able to kind of bring yourself down a notch or two off your high horse and kind of say, do you know what? I don't have all the answers. And because I don't have all the answers, I now have space to be able to learn. And, you know, in terms of 
you were talking about um, when you first got into recovery. And, you know, when I first got in, I had these ideas of how my family was, you know, and my, you know, my sister was this, my parents were this, and, you know, I hate them for it. And then the second time, you know, I mean, as time evolved, I'm, I'm just, I let that all go. And I released my fixed ideas of how I thought my parents were. And it's so much easier to love them. And me too, you know, to love me too. It's also been a journey to get rid of the fixed ideas about myself. Les Buddy was talking about, like, I'm this and I'm that. And um, you get these fixed ideas and you become that, you know, you almost become it. So, yeah, it's, it's all, I mean, the whole DAO is about letting go. Craig, you have something? Uh, no, just Kirsty. Kirsty basically says it fantastically. Um, I was the exact same when I came into recovery. I was I was 14 months before I actually found a sponsor. Um, and one of the first conversations I had with him was basically, like, just forget about everything that you, that you think you know because most of it's going to be wrong. Because that's basically your interpretation of, of, of what you're going through or what you're seeing. Um, and it did, uh, I, I can, now doing this, I can see the benefit of doing that because... I was stuck in that that one mindset of my way was was the right way. It's like Paul said about moderation. You know, it's it's either all or nothing. There is no there, is, there was no in between with it, um, and there was very little give and take with myself. Um, and I think showing restraint as well. Um, we're, we're talking the, the, the translation that there's nothing like using restraint. That can be used as as the other way around as well, like restraining people. Um, rest- Restraint begins with giving up one's own ideas. So, you know, you'll stop restraining people when you stop giving up control, when you start letting people be what they need to be rather than what you actually want them to be. And it can be the exact same with your recovery as well. Your recovery is going to be exactly what you want it to be. It can be hard work or it can be easy work. And the easy work is doing what you're told or doing the suggestions that's out there, following the people that have done it before. If you want to blaze your own trail, Back home with it. It's going to be a tough, tough road. Um, I, I think the restraints a massive thing, but it shouldn't just be looked at as an um, it's, it's something that you're doing to yourself. It, it can be something that we're doing to, to each other as well. Um, but I like the second translation about the moderate, the moderate man. Um, I, th- I think that basically explains everything that we want to be in life. Um, we don't want to be restrained in our own ideas. We want to be tolerant. Um, we want to be all-pervading like the sun. We want to reach everything. We want to reach everybody. We want to touch everybody. We want to leave that, leave, leave the same effect as, as the sunlight does. You know, it's like you're walking from, from, the, from the shade into the sun. You get that nice warm feeling. You get that happy feeling. That's, that's, that's where I want to be in life. Everybody's, everybody's life that I touch, that's how I want them to, to feel after that interaction I've had with him. I don't want anybody coming back saying, oh, there's, there's Moon and Minnie at it again. He's, he's having a complaint about this, that, and the other. Um, and it's very difficult to actually keep in that mindset. Um, and it's it's difficult to it's difficult to love everybody based on the first impressions of them as well. Um, but nothing is impossible for him because he has let go. Um, and that basically says it all. Derek Lynn talks about that uh, freedom from his own ideas as being uh, submitting. And he talks about it like uh, the water example that the Dow's a river. 
then the idea is to give up moving against its current. But he uses a submitting as in surrendering. Yes. Yes. It says surrendering is the way he looks. And that makes sense because look at that. In the second translation, again, makes use of anything life happens to bring his way. Anything life brings. My, you know, that's the flow. That's not holding on to things and and working against the current, going with the flow and just just working with what you have and just making it at ease. And, that, and the way you know that you're not doing it is when you feel the fight, you feel the disturbance, you feel angst. So if you want to start doing this, all you have to do is list the areas in your life that you have any kind of resistance to, any kind of fight. And those are areas that some surrender work needs done. Probably some fear involved there is causing you to hold on instead of letting go. Pretty simple. It's always the same answer, you know. Got to let go. So in my personal life right now, okay, I had this, like, giant fight with one of my friends yesterday. Like, argument, not fight, fight. And so all night I've been thinking, oh, I'm so annoyed. I'm right. They're wrong. I need to call them today and tell them exactly why they're wrong and exactly why I'm right. So now we're reading this. You poor thing. I hate that for you. You should do that. You should call them. Tell them. I think you should. should have called them before the podcast, Katie. Right? To wait. <laughs> or send the email before, you know. Don't wait till after. So now... It's all about giving up one's own ideas, using restraint, and, you know, it's making me think, you know, is it likely that I'm 100% right? Probably not. Are his intentions probably 100% negative? Probably not. Don't you find when you do, I mean, I don't know, I find... Usually in the moment, I think I'm 100% right, but when I use restraint and I do take a step back and I sleep on it or, you know, put it, put it on the shelf for a minute, it gives you the opportunity to take your, your heated emotion out of it a little bit and try and see the other person's point of view or... Well, well, now we're doing the podcast, I'm, I'm doing that. When I woke up this morning, my heated emotion was still pretty heated. still there. Okay. Um, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Too, but but I think the key here is, yeah, you, you know, use restraint in, you know, usurping control over a situation. And, and I mean, I, I try and do this now, you know, in recovery, whereas – you know, when I was drinking, it was like me against the world and I'm right and they all wronged me and all that. But I think um, the power is to use restraint and to be able to see it as a third person. In other words, take yourself out of it, them out of it and see it as a whole, see the whole picture. I find sometimes it's my, it's my reaction. It's, it's the way that I've reacted to those conversations. And there's maybe the inkling that I wasn't as 100% right as maybe I thought I was, but... I'm that stubborn and I still want to be right, even though I'm wrong. I think, I think a lot of times it's, it's the way that I've reacted that kind of gets me into that, that frame of mind that you're in, Kate. Right. Uh, I'd still phone them up and tell them. 
Don't, well, listen to that. don't listen to the other eight people on the call. Phone them. Tell them. Let us know how it goes. And you know, and you know something, Kate? You can be right and know you're right, but you don't have to let the other person know it. What? Uh, <laughs> I know. I, I had the same reaction. What? And then, and then just let it go. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah, that's, that's going to work. <laughs> that's going to work. The key to our recovery is to start the conversation knowing that you're going to be tolerant of the other person's ideas at the outset rather than, you know, that's tough. Kate. Uh-huh. Here is the 79th <laughs> verse. <laughs> Maybe we should have done this one today for Kate. This one's for her. And I'll read it, Kate. You don't have to. Uh, after a bitter quarrel, some resentment remains, Kate. Uh-huh. <laughs> what can one do about it? What can Kate do about it? Being content with what you have is always best in the end. Someone must risk returning injury with kindness, or hostility will never turn to goodwill. So the wise, you want to be wise, Kate? I do. Okay. Always give without expecting gratitude. There you go. Sounds like I'm going to have to be a good person today. You don't have to be good. You just have to be kind a little right. bit. Well, you know, yes. And that's a I'm good idea. This is a person I care about and who is a good person. You know, they're not, like, terrible with horrible intentions. So yeah. I can be more tolerant of their views. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, we have to be vulnerable to some point if we want to. Um, we want some. We, if we want to change, we have to be vulnerable. We have to extend kindness. That doesn't mean we're going to prove we're right, but we can be happy and not prove we're right. That's what I was trying to say, buddy. Oh, I'm sorry, Paul. Okay. <laughs> you know, you can, you can be you can be right, but again, you don't have to be hostile about it. At the same time, there's there's letting other people be right as well, as long as it doesn't, as long as it doesn't let them, or as long as it doesn't look like they're walking all over you. As long as it's, you know, we're all entitled to our opinion, and I think a lot of people forget this in recovery as well. We do we do all this soul search and we do all this all this work in ourselves, and not a lot of other people out there are doing that. So they, they a lot of people can come to us from a place of negativity. I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. And then you think to yourself, well, do you know what? I've got two ways I can do this. I can, I can stand my ground and put my point across it, or I can just let it go. But sometimes just letting it go still leaves that shit taste in your mouth, and you still want to say, "Well, yeah, you you, you may be right in your world, but in the real world, this is how things go." Or however you want to put it across, Kate, when you phone them. Or you can just let them be. Uh, let them have their opinion. Allow them. Give them permission to be wrong. No matter what they think, you know. I was just going to say, everybody's got the right to be wrong. Isn't that right, buddy? That's the way, you know, then then that changes to everyone has the right to be right, too. So they can – a lot of that factors into my old ideas of everyone had to agree with me because I had to please everyone. So when someone didn't agree with me, it was a problem. 
And it was a problem because I wanted them all to like me. I wanted them all to approve of me. So when I started surrendering that dogma, you know, that idea that, okay, everybody's got to approve them, that belief system. Oh, uh, everybody's got to like me. No, everyone doesn't have to like me. Everyone's got to agree with me. No, everyone doesn't have to agree with me. Okay, their opinions, what? Okay, not even argue the point, not even, I mean, I've gotten to where in conversations at times, they would say something that I knew was, I said, this doesn't matter. It's, you know, it's, it's not life-threatening. They can believe that if they want to believe it. It's not going to make any difference. I don't have to prove my point. So that's, that's part of that, Kate. So it's one of those things of do you want to be happy or do you want to be right kind of thing. It's hard to be both a lot of times. I think we were just talking about that in Tuesday's meeting about <clears throat> with your wife wanting to be, wanting to, or allowing your wife to be, right? 100%. She's right all the time. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> I, I must admit, I do, I do, I use it with my husband and my children a lot. I always say, is it that important? And the kids are generally quite malleable. My husband will say, yes, it is important. I am right. Um, but he hasn't learned from you two yet, Craig and um, Buddy. Um, you know, but it's, 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 a, it, it is, it's like, is it, is it life-threatening? Does it, does it really matter? And it's only, it's ego. It's ego yeah. and it's pride and, and, you know, the kids fortunately haven't developed their egos to their fullest potential yet, which I'm sure will come. Um, but, you know, instilling in them this foundation of is it that important to the point actually where my four, nearly 14-year-old does say to me now, it's not that important. So, I'll, I'll, I'll let you in on something that, that happened at the weekend there. I, I posted on my Facebook. I, I, shared a, I shared a meme on my Facebook, and it was um, – my wife complains that I don't listen. My wife complains that I've got two folks. One of that I don't listen, and the other one is something else that she was prattling on about. And somebody else tagged my wife in it. <laughs> well, I think the way the story went was that um, somebody says, oh, you, you, you've been awful brave because your wife's not listening to this. And I was like, she's having a dinner, so she's not clocked it. And then my wife chimed in and she says, that's me seeing it now. So um, I kind of descended into that. But, yeah, she's always right. All right. Once we have freedom from our own ideas, nothing is impossible. Freedom from gives freedom to be. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Let's go on to the no the Wayne Dyer, if that's good with everyone. The 59th verse. He's got some good comments today. You want to read his, Marla? Or... Yeah. Okay, and then just whatever you want to read out of it. I had a couple of things marked, but it's pretty short. 59th verse. Living by thrift and moderation. <clears throat> Governing people and serving nature. Nothing surpasses thrift and moderation. Restraint begins with giving up one's own ideas. This depends on virtue gathered in the past. If there's a good store of virtue, then nothing is impossible. 
If nothing is impossible, then there are no limits. If a man knows no limits, he is fit to lead. This is the way to be deeply rooted and firmly planted in the Tao, the secret of long life and lasting vision. Um, There are four words that crop up repeatedly in many of the translations of this passage of the Tao Te Ching. Restraint, frugality, moderation, and thrift. Here, Lao Tzu is advising you to examine the way you look at these qualities in relation to your supervisory and parenting role. He doesn't say that you should sit on the sidelines and do nothing, but he does counsel you to practice self-control. When you cultivate a style of leadership that creates a good store of virtue, then nothing is impossible, for there are no limits. People whose lives are run by rules, I skipped a a, a paragraph, people's People whose lives are run by rules, dogma, and fear can only do what they've been told to do, nothing more. The options for self-direction are non-existent for the blindly obedient. So practice restraint, moderation, frugality, and thrift when making pronouncements about how others must behave. Children raised in families where that blind obedience is demanded have the highest levels of prejudice when they become adults. Hmm. Why? Because they've been taught to prejudge what's acceptable according to someone in position to lead them. That's why it's so vital to give your kids an example of leadership that encourages them to make choices based on higher standards. Hold on there, Mark. I will. I think higher standards can be um, interpreted in... In, in a different way to what we would normally expect. So, so I, I, I'm coming from the perspective that I, I grew up in an environment where we had to live on the straight and narrow, dress accordingly, present ourselves to the outside world in a certain way, because if we didn't, then blah, 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 people would think badly of us. And these high standards weren't just about morality, um, truth. You know, a lot of that actually was pushed, you know, that that was a given. These high standards were academic, visual, um, you know, making sure other people liked us and saw that we were, had we had status. What I believe what i i guess take from this the higher standards in this case is a um not necessarily a, a it is leadership but it's learning together so i'm not the best parent and they're not the best child i know i've still got learning to do i'm far from perfect and what I pass down to my children is you have to be confident in your own ideas. You have, you know, when it comes to standards, it's that it's not, I don't like high standards. I don't like the term high standards um, because that implies there's some kind of nirvana um, when I prefer moderation and I prefer 
um, flexibility, providing it's all done with um, a good belief system, good morals, um, good judgment, and that's all um, that's all done in a very balanced way. I don't know whether I'm making any sense. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah you are, Kirsty, because this talks about dominating by fear and that when we're dominating, I, I thought this was interesting. I never put this together that children raised in families where blind obedience is demanded have the highest levels of prejudice when they become adults. And I'm still putting together why that is. It says because they've been taught uh, to pre, uh, prejudge what's acceptable according to some, uh, to someone in a position to lead them. So, that would that be the same thing as when we have we resent the okay we have to wear our seatbelt the law change you have to wear your seatbelt right I can either be angry with the police because I have to wear a seatbelt or I'll get a ticket or I can wear a seatbelt because I love my family and I want to be here for them is that the difference there is that what they're talking about the same with children I don't know I. That's the kind of what I'm hearing. So yeah. we might. Go on. Go on, Lola. Yeah, know, uh, this kind of reminded me again of that you're either coming from a place of love, you're coming from a place of fear. Right. Love of your family versus fear of not being right. I mean, to me, uh, a lot of this is not, it's disguised as I'm right, you're wrong, but it's a fear of not being right. It's a fear of not being one way versus love, which gives you the openness to account for everybody. And everybody's I, when I had to discipline my kids, I would, I would try to explain what's I tried not to use because I said, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I still did some, but I tried to give them the real reason why. Yeah. So they maybe could start understanding why this is, not just because dad said it, and I'm going to get my butt beat if I do this, you know, that kind of thing, you know. Well, there's Spanks, also, you know, you know, kids' brains, you have to wait till they mature. So sometimes you have to say when they're, you know, when they're too young, you have to say things like, because I said so, because yeah, I couldn't I, understand the real reason. I mean, 8, 10, 12, they start understanding those things a little bit, and sometimes you can go ahead and start explaining, depending on the maturity of the child, you know. Yeah. And that way you can move from this fear-based discipline to more of a love-based discipline, you yeah. know. I think also we've said before on this podcast that if, if we parent children, and it was certainly true in my case, if you parent children with such a, a rod of iron, those children are eventually going to put two fingers up to you and go, I am going to go batshit crazy anyway. Um, you know, my friend was raised in a very, very liberal household and is now one of the most sensible people I know. Yeah. I, on the other hand, was, I was very, I had times, I wasn't allowed to do loads of stuff. I did it anyway and much, much more, <laughs> you know, because... Rules are meant to be broken. I mean, yeah. what we talked about earlier, a, a couple of weeks ago or a week ago, when you put rules on us, it, you know, 
first of all, we're not going to be as forward thinking. We're just going to figure out a way around them versus, you know, if, if there's less rules and less imposition, then you know, we're less likely to be rebellious because there's nothing to rebel against. <laughs> really, and, and, you know, from a place of fear, that's a very closed-minded place to be. Definitely. When, when it's all about the fear, all about the fear. Can't be tolerant, can't be flexible, none of that, none of that. And you can't be creative. If you're rebelling against something but not giving, you, you don't have the room to create a reason why it's wrong, why it's wrong for you. So I think, you know, being liberal-minded, my parents were very liberal as well, but also they, like family Kirsty, we had to look a certain way, you know, and be a certain way. You know, it's, that was a that's kind of interesting to think about now, you know? Well, no, I mean, I think about my family. They were very, very liberal. And I was the youngest, so, I mean, I got away with murder. But um, it did allow me to think for my own way. And, like, my mother was an atheist. My dad wanted to be a minister before he met her. And I was able – it gave me the openness to find my own way to here or to the Buddhist center. Versus think about those people that are – born into, and maybe some of you guys born into, this is our religion and this is what we believe. And so there, it doesn't give the ability to think outside of that or, you know, you're stuck in that box or you're rooted in that versus the openness to find your own way, which probably, you know, most people do anyway, but um, it might take a little bit more effort. They leave saying they leave their religion because it, as a source, as a way to rebel. Right, also, right. Without having the creativity to find something for themselves like let me think about all the things that's wrong with this because exactly versus let me think about the things that do work in this and the things that you know don't work what works for me you know that's how we become our authentic selves is how to to be creative about what works for us for us as a human yes anything (laughs) else in wayne dyer that you like marla I just I love practicing practice moderating your ego. That could that was okay. Um, practice moderating your ego. Change the way you look at your life by moderating your ego. See yourself as a being who gives rather than collects, and live on what you need rather than practicing conspicuous consumption. You'll begin to see that your purpose has more to do with Tao consciousness than ego directives. Boy, we could, could we just send this to our government? When you moderate your demands and use only what you and your family require, you'll gather virtue points by serving rather than accumulating. Lao Tzu reminds you that this is the secret of long life and lasting vision. Serving rather than accumulating. And yes. Wayne Dyer talks in this a lot about the way that we store up this virtue is by giving, you know. Yes. That, that is by opening our heart. The same thing we we say every week, just a little differently, you know? Yep. <laughs> Let go and give. <laughs> yes. Let go. It's like when we get that's like when we get rid of our selfishness and our dishonesty and our resentment and our fear, all that's left is for us to love people. That's what's left. I don't want to go out and kill people when that happens. I don't want to do bad things, you know. Uh, I want to do good things, you know. It's just natural. Are you done, Marla? 
others who'd like me to recite Shakespeare. Oh. I think Percy could do better at that. Um, with her ex. But, Bonnie, I was just thinking about something funny when you were talking about seatbelt restraints. Yes. How, how you can fight against them and fight against them. In, in Michigan, there's the, for motorcyclists, there's the helmet law. Mm-hmm. And um, thank God. But there was this guy who just fought against it and fought against it. And um, finally, I think um, they were relaxed. The rules were relaxed. I don't know a whole lot about it. But finally, the rules were relaxed. So he goes riding without a helmet. And what do you know? False, you know, splat, you know. His brain's all over the sidewalk. It would have been interesting to see if they hadn't put the rule out and hadn't imposed the the control if this guy would have worn a helmet or not, or if he was just pissed he was being told he had to. So right. He was pissed he was being that he somebody had to tell him what to do with his motorcycle and his helmet, and now he's dead. Well, yeah, I mean, if. If the rule, let's say, is only to protect yourself, then it shouldn't really be a rule. If it's to, you know, protect everybody else on the road. Yeah, well, it was because nobody wants to see somebody's brain splattered all over. Well, protect their life. (laughs) You know, when I get on my motorcycle, I I usually wear all of my gear when I ride. Except a helmet. (laughs) I'll wear my helmet, I'll wear my Kevlar, I'll wear my gloves and my boots and all of that so i do that because i love life and i want to be here i could wear flip-flops and put on a helmet and nothing else you know (laughs) i see guys that do that you know that's their business that's what they want to do but that's one of those things of i I would not want to do it if i i never want to do what i'm told that i must do yeah that's part of that whole rebel thing that is still there, still there. Well, it's kind of like walk, um, you know, I have a very different parenting style. My mom's very controlling and do it this way or else. And my dad is just very, well, you, you can do no wrong. And I call it, he walks the walk. He doesn't talk the talk. And I've always been more respectful and more, wanting to do right by him then and then with my mom I always wanted to rebel against because it's too controlled nobody wants to be controlled you know even if what she's telling me to do is right I would do the opposite just because it's annoying to be controlled and you have to exercise so I, I think that it's there's so much more power in just walking the walk versus talking the talk like you want to do right by somebody totally great because of this yeah. the way I'd handle that with my children when they got a little older instead of folk, like I'd walk out and it Let's say they were on their skateboard without their helmet on, on the in the garage. I say, guys, you cannot do that. You'll get blood all over. If you fall and you bust your head, you'll get blood all over my concrete, and I'll have to clean it up. Don't make me do I that. Say, Don't do that. <laughs> they'll laugh, and I'll laugh, and they'll go get their helmet. Yeah. You know, because, you know, I got my point across without being, you know, pushy. And also, you know, when my dad actually did lay down the law, I listened because it wasn't a daily beating over the head with. I had the same kind of dad. I had the same kind of dad. Yeah, I love it. I had so much respect for them because I didn't impose. Didn't impose, but you still, I, I want to do right by him more than, you know, the other parent because it's, it's, he's giving me the leeway, leeway to be myself. Exactly. But isn't that what the Dow's about? Is yes. about creating yes. the space. Yes. 
Yes. <laughs> Creating that space so people can find their way. Because you pulling them, they're going to try to hold on more. <laughs> and you're trying, and then you're just trying to, the person pulling, you're trying to find their way, not your way. This is the way I want you to do it. Right. So yes. It's the opposite of being, finding yourself. <laughs> yes. Or else. That's good. Before we close, I want to read this Do the Dow Now. This is a this is a pretty good one. Make a commitment together. Uh, well, imagine how the divine source of all 10,000 things must be operating in order to maintain the creation cycles of life and do five things that match up to it. In other words, pick up a piece of someone else's trash, which is an example of excess. Anonymously give a gift to someone in need or perform any other actions that help you accumulate virtue and remain deeply rooted in the Tao. So find some ways to give today that does not boost your ego. Ways that, you know, your ego does not benefit because when that happens, it's really not giving, you know, you, you've already gotten the reward for that. You know, any closing comments guys, or we all good. Who's going to take, take over reading Wayne Dyer when I'm gone? Who has a Dyer book? Craig Good. does? Okay. Craig, you going to take care of Wayne Dyer from Marla? We're going to miss Marla. I'll see. Ooh, I try to get up next week. Maybe. We might be seeing her. Yeah. <laughs> I hope. It depends on, yeah, the time changes. I don't know. I okay. don't know. Well, maybe we'll uh, see you next week, and then you'll be gone a month, right? Yep. Yep. Well, I know you'll enjoy yourself in India. Yep. <laughs> We're all here if you need us. Thank yes, you. Yes, messages. Thank you. All right. I'm going to, I think I'm going to name, I don't know what I'm going to title this one. Maybe freedom from, uh, freedom from gives freedom to be, maybe. I don't know. I'll come up with something. Any suggestions? Flip-flops and helmet. Flip-flops and helmet. Yeah, I'm, that, that'll work. Flip-flops and a helmet. <laughs> How about white bits? <laughs> I, was, white I, was bits. Thinking, uh, I was just thinking flip-flops and helmets. That will remain everywhere. But my, 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 my white bit. White bit. <laughs> white bit, Paul. Oh, <laughs> white, that's right. White bit. Not plural. Sorry. Other than grits, which is plural always. All right, guys. Well, y'all have a great week, and we'll catch you next week. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.